Hi guys, welcome back to another episode of Horror, Wine, and Crime. Hey, hey. How goes it, Lo? I like the hand motions you're doing. People can't see and I feel bad because it's really quite a treat. <laughs> I love it. It's almost, it's like the Wednesday thing in front instead of back. It is. You know what? Yep, you're right. You're nailing it. <laughs> and I'm sitting down instead of. Instead of doing the, the whole thing. We've said it before, headphones and the cameras come on, especially when we are forced to Zoom because of Michigan weather. Um, we never know what's going to happen. Like things just come out and. <laughs> inside joke. <laughs> we're, keeping it as, we're keeping it as an inside joke, Lo. <laughs> if you've had any more um, bloopers and edits, how many times we put the headphones on and we just start singing We Are the World. Oh my gosh. It's been a minute since we've done that. We got to do yeah. that. We do it more so when we're in person, I feel like, than when we're over yeah. Zoom. Although last time it was, um, and it's a not even a show that I grew up with. My daughter watched it, so I watched it with her as an adult. But we did uh, Give It Up, Jade and Ariana Grande from Victoria Justice. I, it just, the song Give It Up came on. As soon as I put the headphones on, it came to me. I mean, that's honestly a great, iconic, classic song. I used to watch that show. It is kind of a vibe. It's it's a vibe. It is a great song. They had some good songs come out of that show. I'm not going to lie. Oh, for sure. So no shame. No shame in our game, okay? <laughs> Even as an adult, when I get very mad at my husband, like that one day I text you and I did. Yes. Freak the freak out. Freak the freak out. Yep. Yep. It fits. I, I played it loud and it got my... What I'm going gonna my- do now is freak the freak out. Yep. <laughs> it fits. You know, it just hits. It slaps. It hits different. It's great. Um. Yeah, super mad about this ice storm because originally I was supposed to go over to Lowe's house um, because she has, well, I don't know. Do you want to share your exciting news with the people? No. Okay. Well, long story short i couldn't go there because of the stupid ice i mean i could have but i might have died so i didn't i'm just kidding we got an addition to our family we adopted from the detroit dog rescue and from heather beckman who graciously fostered it until i could take her home um we got a maltese cockapoo little chocolate brown lola she's so cute she is so cute, and I'm so excited to meet her. I'm so she's happy very for cuddly. you. Oh, I love that. She's a lap dog. If you're sitting, she's on your lap or next to you or somewhere. That's, like, the best, honestly. Because, like, if you're having, like, a sad day or, like, you're, you don't feel good or something like that, like, having, like, a cuddly dog is, like, the best thing ever. Like, the best cure for that. Oh, yeah. My... Other dog, Phoebe, who is still my number one bestie rider, die like queen. Yes. Um, she can be cuddly, but she also has her moments of like, bitch, let's have a little bit of space between us. Okay. She yeah, she's like me, you know. So. You gotta pick it. I gotta pick and choose when I wanna be cuddly and when I wanna be like, stay away from me. 
So if I'm going to bed, she wants all up next to me. But if we're just laying on the couch, she'll literally lay with like, it's a three seat couch. I'll have my feet up on the recliner and then there'll be the spot and she's on the third one. I'm like, seriously, like, I can't even touch you. I can't even reach you. And then she looks at me like, yeah, I know. I planned it that way. She's like, yeah, bitch, we do these things on my terms. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) She's like a, a cat. Honestly, that's how cats are. But I do feel bad because I feel like she's a little insecure right now. Like, no, um, she's not the only doggy there now. Yeah. Like a little jealousy, a little like, wait, you, you still love me. And I'm like, yes, dude, you're still my number one ride or die. Okay. Like, obviously, obviously. Yeah, like, <laughs> but no, seriously, I'm so excited for you guys. That's so such a cute thing. Adding a new adding a new puppy to the family i know you said not a puppy but all dogs are puppies to me could be like 11 year old dog i still call my puppy mine's four years old phoebe and i still call her oh yeah they're all forever puppies but yeah i'm super bummed i couldn't make it there tonight we're gonna make make another plan for me to go there when it's not disgusting out so i can meet the new baby yes um also I'm being pretty lame. Lowe's drinking it up for the both of us. So what are you drinking, Lowe? Um, well, I started the bottle the other day and shame on me for not finishing it. So I'm finishing it tonight. And it's just my classic favorite all time go to cupcake Moscato. A forever classic, that one. Definitely. Actually, I haven't had wine in a minute, I feel like. Probably last time we recorded. No, we had mimosas. Yeah. I don't know. A couple weeks then. But yeah. I'm going to try have us try next time you come over. I think I'm going to get the champagne and the Diet Coke. I'm going to try the Tom Hanks Diet Cocaine. What the hell is that? I've never heard of that in my life. Really? Champagne and Coke? Diet Coke. He calls it Diet Cocaine. Yeah. Diet Cocaine. I mean, I love me some Diet Coke and I love me some champagne separately. So do you I, love you some Tom Hanks too? I do. So I, it's okay. gotta be, it's gotta be a match made in heaven. He did it on the Jimmy Fallon show. Interesting. They and were I talking love Jimmy about Fallon, it. So <laughs> even better. And then you're going to even like the next one because Elizabeth Banks did a TikTok. This has to be my new iconic drink then, (laughs) all these things. And she's like, I was watching this and I'm going to try it. She's like the father of all of America, Tom Hanks. So she poured herself, you know, Diet Coke and some champagne. And she's like, oh my God, son of a Tom Hanks. (laughs) This is like amazing. So I'm going to try it. Mm, okay i'm down i'm definitely down to try that i can't admit i wonder if it'll be better than mimosas i'm very curious to to see how it compares because i love me some mimosas as well well next time you come over we'll we'll try it out yeah i am down because yeah i've never heard of that but i'm excited um but today so if you guys haven't listen to last week's episode um it's called the yogurt shop murders 
And Lo kind of took us down through that story, a really tragic story, unsolved. If you haven't listened to it, go listen to it right now. You're going to want to listen to that one before you listen to this one. This is kind of just a small little bonus part two kind of continuation on it, more so focusing on the guys who were wrongfully convicted in the case, um, kind of how also they're moving forward, trying to figure it out, some things that went down, um, just a little deeper look into all of that. So like I said, if you haven't listened to last week's episode, you're going to want to go listen to that first. And it's a really, really good one. Horrible story, but very interesting. So go check that out and then come back here if you haven't listened to that yet. And I just want to say also, I am sorry if some of the episodes like last week and maybe a couple of weeks ago, some of them have spotty where it kind of cuts out a little bit. And I don't know why. I think it's on my end. Something with the Wi-Fi. I actually kicked my kid off of his computer gaming right now to see if that'll help. I changed rooms. I bought a new microphone. So I don't know if it's the Wi-Fi that's doing it. We bought a booster upstairs. I'm trying to get my shit together, people. I'm I, sorry. It, hey, whoa. Oh, my gosh. Don't be sorry. This freaking technology sucks. <laughs> it's Technology is against literally all of us. Um, well, we're still hoping that, you know, eventually Dax will call and come and help get us to where we need to be to be really awesome. Right. Exactly. What up, Dax? What up, Dax? <laughs> Good uh, thing you've got that in there. <laughs> hey, we're begging for help. Please save us. Please. <laughs> I actually uh, just watched Chips, side note, uh, last weekend. Nice. Yes, yes, classic one. Um, I listened to him talk to Paul Rudd yesterday, and it was that so is good. on that is on my list. I will probably gonna, listen to we'll that talk, tomorrow. We'll talk working. about it after you listen to it, and I'll tell you my favorite part after you listen to it. Okay, yes, because you'll I, know when you know. I love me some Dax, and I love me some Paul Rudd, so I am for sure listening to that one. That was our commercial for um, Dex Shepard, armchair expert. Go listen on Spotify. <laughs> um, but yeah, so today we're kind of doing like a little deeper dive into the guys and a continuation. Like I said, go back and listen to the last episode if you have not. Um, kind of a little bit of a quick recap. Um so in October of 1999, nearly eight years after the yogurt shop murders happened, um, which happened in Austin, Texas, police announced the arrest of four suspects in the case, Maurice Pierce, Forrest Wellborn, Robert Springsteen, and Michael Scott. Um, and all four of the men had been questioned within days of the murders, but the lack of any hard evidence connecting them to the crime meant that at that point, none of them were going to be charged. However, eight years later, police obtained confessions from both Springsteen and Scott. While Wellborn and Pierce were initially charged, those charges were dropped because there was lack of evidence. Um, 
and Springsteen and Scott, the ones who confessed, would both face trial. So in these, like, interrogations that the guys were in, one of the big things, and Lo talked about it too last week, is just what manipulation and, like, coercion occurred during these interrogations and questioning with detectives. Like, it was almost like they they just wanted to, like, name – they just wanted to, like, pin it on somebody. So they're like, if we can, like, manipulate these people to confess or make it look like they did it or make it sound like they did it, then as long as we say that we caught someone for it, then, like, we win, you know, when in reality it should be – they should be really looking for the right person and not trying to, like, convince somebody to confess. So in Michael Scott's interrogation, it was a 20-hour, like, process, and it took place over the course of four days. Um, And he, in that full time of interrogation, he did confess to taking part in the murders. When he was first interrogated, it was, like, a 10-hour interrogation. And right after that, he called his wife and he told her that he knew more about the murders than he thought. Um, And in the beginning of the interviews, Mike told detectives, um, he's like, I have a, quote, piss poor memory. So he's like, I don't remember all the details from that time or that specific day, you know, which at that point it had been eight years after the murders. So like. That only makes sense. Like, if you ask me what I did on, like, one day last week, it would, like, take me, like, quite some time to be like, what did I do on that day? You know, I feel like it's so much easier said than done when you're in that position to be like, well, how does he not remember what he did? And it's like, ask me what I did last Tuesday. I don't fucking remember. (laughs) You know what I mean? Um, Let alone eight years after. Like, that's insane to ask somebody to try to remember that. Um, and something interesting, in response to him saying that he has kind of a poor memory and, you know, he's not going to remember everything exactly, um, the one detective, Laura, says, that's what we're here for, to help you remember. Which, like, that's so, as Lowe says, spishy, spishy. <laughs> I like yours, you guys, spishy, bish. Spishy, bish, because... <laughs> Like, what does she mean by that? That's what we're here for, to help you remember. It's like, no, you're there to manipulate him into remembering or, like, thinking he remembers what you want him to. Um, Detectives were mainly interested in interviewing Mike the most because they were looking for one of the guys to be the weak link that they could use to build the case and the story that they wanted it to be. Especially against uh, Maurice Pierce, that was kind of their number one target. So they were kind of like using Mike as like this pawn to like create this story that they could just build upon to like nail down the guys that they wanted to. Um, One detective named Hardesty a few hours into the interview says, Quote, Michael, we've been working on this a long time. We've talked to everybody. We know a lot more than you think that we do. We know what happened. You're covering something up. 
Um, and then also, this was brought up in the last episode, but since we're talking about the interrogation, I'm just bringing it up again. Like, if you remember Lowe saying last episode that he even held a gun up to the back of of his head during this interrogation, um, which is just like so unprofessional. Is that like a good word to use? Like horrible, manipulative, fucked up? <laughs> I was going to go with shady, shitty, you know, literally all douchey, of, <laughs> all of the above, man, because who does that? Like this guy's not, there's no evidence against him. Like, you know, really. And you're going to hold the gun up to the back of his head after 20 hours of interrogation, nonstop grilling him, saying, oh, we know, we we know more than you think that we do. Like, that is just so manipulative. So basically, this went on for the entirety of the interrogation, just them coercing him and leading him to believe. Which I say that leading him to believe, I don't even think that was the case. I don't think that they led him to believe that he was involved. Um, I think that what happens in a lot of these situations where people can falsely confess after being interrogated for so long, I think they're just really freaking exhausted and they just think, I'm just going to tell them what they want to hear so I can get out of here. And then I'll, you know, say later, like, no, that's not true. They were doing this. They were doing that, which people, oh my gosh, if you ever, which I really hope none of you do, (laughs) but if you ever need to like be in an interrogation for any crime, don't ever say that you did it. If you didn't, you know what I mean? Like, even if you're so tired and you're just on the edge and you feel like you're falling apart and you feel like you're at your limit, be so strong and do not falsely. Just start throwing the word lawyer, 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 exactly. (laughs) That should be the number, the first word that you say when you're in in an interrogation, Um, because they it's sad how much detectives and police can be shady and not actually be the good guys and just use you for manipulation of their own like tax and stuff like that. So at one point during a 12 hour interrogation, Scott said that he knew the identities of the killers on September 10th, the interrogation resumed and ultimately Scott, that. Scott said that he had probably shot one of the girls, that he had fired a gun once, and that he set the fire. So he's, like, saying all this, which is like, oh, bro, why are you saying that? Um, On September 13th, Scott was interviewed once more, and he said he remembered seeing Pierce with one of the girls in a separate room in the yogurt shop. He said that he thought he had gagged one of the girls with paper towels or napkins. Further, Scott said the .22 caliber pistol came from Springsteen. He remembered little about the other weapon, but thought it was a semi-automatic .38 caliber. Springsteen, now, he was arrested in Charleston, West Virginia, where he was living at the time um, after Scott had 
you know, said all of this and kind of said, yeah, Springsteen had this gun and he was involved and all that. So police videotaped him confessing to sexually assaulting and killing one of the victims. Um, Scott, Springsteen, Pierce, and Wellburn were all charged with capital murder, but ultimately um, the charges against Pierce and Wellburn, like I said before, were dismissed. And yeah, Robert later explained that he says, I was berated and berated and berated by the police officers until they obtained what it was they wanted to hear. They were not going to allow me to leave, and basically, they broke me down. So, yeah, this is when he's saying he was broken down in the questioning, and he ultimately confessed as well, just like Scott did. Um, So during Springsteen's interrogation, they used a hidden camera However, for some reason, not all of the footage got picked up. Like, literally, like, hours worth of footage had just not been usable. I don't know if that was on purpose or if it just was, you know, a fluke in, you know, technology. So, it it was basically the detective's words against his on what was actually said and what went down in those moments of missing film which there was a lot of missing film so it was like a very big he said she said game which I just don't think should be viable at all if it's not like documented and recorded because it's like who knows what was said and all of that kind of stuff so they were leading him towards confession as well through manipulation just like they did with Scott Um, and a couple examples of that um was in Springsteen's original questioning he said that he was at the Rocky Horror Picture Show that day the day of like the murders but now and he stuck to that also by the way he stuck to that story of being at the Rocky Horror Picture Show he was like that's what I was doing I you know I wasn't murdering anybody I was there but now cops are trying to convince him that it wasn't even playing that day they were like they were like, um, the Rocky Horror Picture Show wasn't even happening that day. Which, by the way, there's no proof of that. Like, there's no there's no proof that it wasn't playing that day. I think that, again, they were just saying that, using it as, like, a manipulation tactic to kind of um, confuse him and then lead him to where they wanted him to go. Also, they kept telling him that they found his DNA at the scene of the crime when really that was not true. They were just telling him this. So, like, I I can't even imagine how that would feel like you're being interrogated for murder and then they're saying that they found your DNA at the site and you're actually innocent. You didn't do it. Like how terrifying that feeling must be like what I'd be like, what the hell? How did my DNA get there? Like, you know, all this stuff. I can't imagine what was like running through his head, you know, with all the other stuff they were doing and with for being there for hours. But yeah, despite both men later claiming that their confessions were coerced, they would eventually be convicted. Um, So 
Springsteen's and Scott's confessions, they were used against each other at their trials and they weren't allowed to question each other in court. So during the trial in the closing arguments from the prosecutor, he said to the jury, he goes something along the lines of how could they not have done it when their confessions were so close? Like their timelines and like how all details like lined up and everything between both of their confessions. But like in my opinion, the confessions were probably lined up so similarly because because of the manipulation and the coercion that the detectives were doing with the two men during questioning that it like they like led them in those similar directions, you know, so it would be easy for the timelines to kind of like line up if that's how they were laying out the questions um so yeah like i said the other two men never went on trial forrest and maurice didn't go because neither of them confessed and there was not enough if any viable evidence against them that connected them to this crime you know it was just uh the other two guys words against theirs but there was no evidence and they didn't confess so they really couldn't do anything except throw out those cases um so yeah scott and springsteen then were found guilty because literally just because they confessed on August 20th, 2008, the defense lawyers for Scott and Springsteen requested DNA testing of alternative suspects. No matches against evidence discovered earlier that year were found. Um, seven jurors from the trials have stated that they would not have convicted the men had this evidence been available at the time. So that was kind of like a big key component of this. Um, and then fast forward, after serving nearly 10 years in prison, Scott and Springsteen were ultimately freed from jail in 2009, but they were not exonerated after the court rejected all of the allegations filed against them. And, you know, to kind of go into further detail, um, during this time in 2009, when they were released, in June, Judge Mike Lynch ruled in response to Travis County their request that one of the trials be continued, that defendants Springsteen and Scott be freed on bond pending their upcoming trials at 2.50 p.m. that day, and they both walked out of Travis County Jail with their attorneys. Later that day, um. District Attorney Lemberg responded to Lynch's decision with the following statement. He said, Today I requested a continuance in the case against Michael Scott, a defendant in the yogurt shop murders, whose trial was scheduled to begin on July 6. Judge Mike Lynch granted that motion, but also released both Michael Scott and Robert Springsteen on personal bond as he indicated he would do his previous scheduling order. Requesting a delay in the case was a difficult decision, but one that I believe is the best course, excuse me, course toward an ultimate successful prosecution of this important matter. 
Knowing that Judge Lynch would release both defendants, we requested certain conditions on their bonds requiring them to remain in the Travis County and report to the court any change of residence, to have no contact with the victim's families or witnesses, that they not carry weapons or consume alcohol or illegal drugs, that they report to the court on a regular basis and attend all court appearances. As you know, both Springsteen and Scott were convicted by juries in June 2001 and September 2002. Their convictions were overturned by the appellate court, but their statements to law enforcement were found to be voluntary given. Since the original trial of these two men, new developments in DNA technology have become available as we prepared for retrial in March 2008. We submitted various evidentiary items for what is called YSTR testing. This test looks for male DNA only and is deemed to be the most accurate test for samples that are mixtures of female and male DNA, as in this case. Um, currently, it is clear to me that our evidence in the death of these four young women includes DNA from one male whose identity is not known yet to us. The defense asserts that the testing reveals more than one unknown male, but the evidence presented at the hearing on Thursday, June 18th, contradicts that notion. Um, so basically, kind of he goes on to say that they think that there was like another person involved and because of the DNA there was no match with either of them and all charges were dismissed against Scott and Springsteen because of this. Um, so yeah, that DNA testing came through for them and was definitely the ultimate key to their freedom. Um, so with the DNA that they found, they found three males DNA, two unknown and one being Amy's boyfriend. One, males was found inside two of the girls showing rape and amy's boyfriend dna was found in her and her sister now before you like gasp like i did you know thinking like oh shit the boyfriend did it you know because immediately that's what i thought um because obviously his dna was found inside both of them so you're like what um but that was ruled out and it just showed, I guess, that his DNA, it wasn't in Amy because, you know, whatever. That was her boyfriend, but he was cleared. But his DNA got spread to her sister after they had both been raped by this other unidentified man. Um, so her boyfriend didn't do it. He was cleared. But there was another person's DNA in both of them showing that they had both been raped and detectives kept testing the DNA like over a hundred times with different people but they had no luck they even sent the sample to a DNA testing site in a research center of Florida and you know they were just kind of like shooting their shot they didn't really know if anything would come of this it's kind of like a testing facility where they held a, a bunch of male dna um for different reasons not for crime related reasons but they sent it out and bam they got a match um alas though this 
testing site. It was private. It was like an anonymous one. And it restricted the FBI from releasing any information about the donors. Um, also, they stated that the type of like DNA testing that they were doing, which I don't know too much about. Um, I'm not scientifically smart um so i don't know exactly how it works but this specific kind of dna testing it could have matched over a thousand different men so the match probably wouldn't have even been the guy that they were looking for anyway statistically like it probably wasn't even the guy that they were looking for but still detectives kind of were pushing to get the name just to even rule out one possibility but um the FBI wouldn't budge. This was private and anonymous, and they never gave out that information. So no, nothing ever came from that. Which in my, I'm like, why did you even send it there in the first place then if they can't give you any information? Like, what was even the point? But whatever. So attorney Amber Ferrelli worked on both Scott and Springsteen's defense teams. Um, she is adamant that police had it all wrong when they arrested the four men. She told 48 Hours she believes those two unidentified customers from the yogurt shop are who police should really be the ones to be fixated on. While working on Scott and Springsteen's defense teams, Borelli was tasked with sifting through old police records, including those interviews Jones and his colleagues had conducted with the customers who were in the yogurt shop on the day of the murders. Um, the police have accounted for and interviewed 52 people that were in the yogurt shop that day, Ferelli told 48 Hours. Ferelli says several of those customers mentioned the two men who were seen sitting in the yogurt shop just before it was due to close that night. We have no names to them. And when you look at, when you step back and look at, and you think they've talked to 52 people and didn't miss one person from 4.30 to 11 o'clock at night. And several people talk about a guy or two guys and they describe them in the same exact manner. And we don't know who those two guys are. are and they've never called in, you know, that raises in... My opinion, she says, the suspicion that these are the gentlemen who did it. Which I agree with what she's saying personally. Oh, absolutely. Which is kind of like, I guess, I don't know, maybe there weren't cameras in the shop and maybe there was, but like multiple people seen the same two suspects that came in separately and even when these four men are saying it's not us, it's not us, all this evidence is showing that it's not them. Like, I don't know how hard it would be to find those two gentlemen. Maybe they booked it out of town, like, immediately when shit hit the fan. But it's got to be, like, I don't know. I just wish there was a way, like, back then, like, something would have, like, somebody would have known something or somewhere like, it's just, just mind-boggling how these two men just disappeared in thin air, and all these years later, nobody still knows who those two men were. That's what I'm thinking. Like, I'm just like, if they interviewed literally everybody except those two men that everybody said was shady, and then those two men, after all these years, still haven't 
come forward, even when those other guys were being after they got arrested, you know, they could have been in the clear if they were worried about being like looked at as guilty or whatever. Like to me, I'm like, I just really feel like they were a part of it and they did it because that's just that's just too weird. Yeah. And it's just a shame, too, because like in the first one, um, we talked about all the evidence in the DNA that was lost. Like they didn't even dust the bathroom. They didn't fingerprint the lock. They lost a lot of um, vile evidence that good chance could have nailed who those two men were. And not to mention they're sitting on DNA, which we said last episode too, that they could do a profile on them, but unless they accuse somebody, they won't just randomly run it, which is irritating. Right. Yeah. It's like, yeah, like you said, I I feel like the the evidence lost is like, gotta be like the biggest, like the biggest downfall of the investigation. Yeah. Um, Ferelli goes on to say, were those two men who've never been identified the last people in the yogurt shop as far as you know? Or I'm, I'm sorry, somebody from 48 Hours had asked Forelli that, and Forelli responded by saying, absolutely. So again, they're the last people in there also. I mean, giant red flags going up. And Forelli- also, what was in the sack? I want to know, like... What's in the box? What's in the bag? What's in the bag? bag? (laughs) I feel like we've been referencing that so much and I love it. (laughs) It keeps coming back. Like even when I think it's it'll go away for like a week or two and then something happens and I'm like, it's back. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) It's so funny. But seriously, what was in the freaking bag? Um Ferelli says the men were described as, which, you know, Lowe went into detail of what people were saying last episode. So you guys kind of get the gist. But she described them as kind of leaned over the table, talking to each other, whispering like they didn't want anybody to hear what they were saying. So they were kind of being shady. She says that one of the men were described as having light, short hair, like dirty blonde, was said to have been about five, six and as far as how tall he was and in his late 20s or early 30s she said the other man was described as being um bigger and both were observed wearing big coats one she says was thought to have had a green army fatigue kind of looking jacket and the other one a black jacket According to Ferelli, the men are believed to have been driving a green car that evening. Now, John Jones, who was the lo- the former lead investigator on the case, you know, he says he's still haunted by this unsolved tragedy, the yogurt shop murders, even though he has been long retired from the case. And he still wonders to this day about those unidentified customers. And I think that for everybody, those seem those two customers seem to be like at the forefront of everybody's mind in this. Um, he says, yeah, it's kind of a question to me that to this day they haven't been identified. Is that evidence that they did it? No, but that's evidence that we really need to talk to them. Which I agree, you know, I mean, it doesn't necessarily mean just because they looked kind of shady and they were the last ones there and police haven't heard from them. 
it doesn't necessarily mean that they're the ones who who did it but also it's like it just they have to rule them out otherwise i feel like it just is gonna go nowhere so kind of a little um update on a couple of the guys um on december 23rd 2010 Austin police officer Frank Wilson and his rookie partner Bradley Smith, they conducted a traffic stop on a vehicle driven by Maurice Pierce in the northern part of the city. After a brief foot pursuit, Pierce struggled with Wilson before removing a knife from his belt and stabbing Wilson in the neck. Wilson, who survived his injuries, subsequently pulled out his gun and shot and killed Maurice Pierce. And then Robert Springsteen, he had reportedly filed a petition in 2016 requesting a court judgment acquitting him of the yogurt shop murders. If he prevails, he may potentially recover almost $720,000 from the state of Texas for a wrongful conviction, which in my opinion, I feel like he deserves because for spending that many years in prison when you didn't do anything is just horrible. Um, The state did, however, oppose this notion and they argued that if they're If it were to be upheld, they would be unable to accuse or prosecute him if new evidence were to come to light. Um, I was going to say, because I thought the last week it showed that they couldn't sue them if they let him go. Yeah, which I think is just, I mean, I don't know. I get it, but also I just feel it sucks. I feel bad. Um, Yeah, you think there'd be some kind of reimbursement or some kind of something to help set them up to get life going again when they get out you know right because they shouldn't be treated like convicts because they didn't do it they were wrongfully convicted they should be able to have all the opportunities and no judgment that everybody else has honestly and even a little bit more because of what they were put through and that's a hard stigma your back like I feel right. like he's almost branded I feel like they probably almost had to even leave the state to go someplace where this wasn't widely known I mean I don't know if it was worldwide news you know back then or not but you'd think that he'd have to go somewhere and start over because Austin would not probably be gentle with him yeah no seriously that's what I would want to do like just start over somewhere brand new where less people at least knew who I was and what happened um specifically Pemberton wrote Springsteen cannot be deemed quote actually innocent because he hasn't received a full pardon on the basis of innocence and because the district attorney hasn't deemed him to be innocent um which the ruling made by Pemberton Chief Justice Jeff Rose and Justice Cindy Olson Borland leaves open the option for prosecutors to refile charges if they find additional evidence linking Springsteen to the killings um, at the I can't believe it's yogurt store 
in North Austin. So the yogurt shop, obviously, where that happened. And prosecutors dropped charges against Springsteen and three others in 2009, pending, quote, further investigation. And yeah, so they said that they still consider him a suspect, which hurts his chances to be cleared, to be declared fully innocent. Um, despite this, both Robert Springsteen and Michael Spot Spot Scott <laughs> have welcomed their newfound right to privacy since their release from prison. Um, Springsteen was reportedly sent to West Virginia in 2016. And according to his attorney, the situation forced him to perform common labor work. Um, There was kind of like not a ton of information about their lives currently. Those specifically those two men, Um, I think obviously they just are probably extremely private after this all went down. Um, So, yeah, but he did go to West Virginia and kind of. I feel like what he means by common labor work is like the work that convicts get after they've been released from prison. You know how they like have different um, like programs set up or whatever to help them find work. I'm assuming that that's what that meant. So the detectives, community, and the girls' families are all still hopeful that the killer will be found one day. Uh, They have limited DNA samples left, so I guess they are strategically using them. You know, they still get calls with tips quite a bit and they say that they're taking each one very seriously and looking into every piece of information that they get they're just not um using the dna as much because apparently it's limited on what they can do with it until things get updated or new technology comes out Um, The yogurt shop has now become a nail salon and the employees there actually burn incense on a memorial plaque every single day for the girls, the victims of the murders, um, which I think is really nice that they do that every single day just to like honor them and and not forget what happened there. And also, please don't haunt my salon. Right. Yeah, that too probably helps. <laughs> um, so some loose ends in this case were still ne- never uncovered. You know, still some pieces that kind of just like make you question like what the heck happened. Um, so the two Mexican men that confessed at one point um, and they both matched witnesses description that was kind of weird. Nothing ever came from that. And I know, Lo, you were talking about earlier to me, you you were like looking up why people confess, like call in and confess when they didn't actually do it. Um, I know you said there wasn't really much information out there, but that is such a crazy thought. Like, why would you confess to something you didn't do? Like, just randomly call in when you're not even being questioned. Yeah, I tried to look it up, but everything that I piped i would just get back um tired over interrogated cops pushing too hard like just stuff like that 
that's not, I didn't want like confessions of people caving because they're scared. So they just confess. I wanted to know, like, if I robbed a bank and got away with it, why someone would call and say, hey, I robbed that bank down the street when they didn't do it. Like, right. Kind of more what I was going after. Yeah. Why take credit for something you didn't do? Because it makes sense, like, or it makes more sense, like, in Springsteen and Scott's case, yeah, sitting there being, like, manipulated. But, yeah, I could just never imagine, like, calling in randomly being, like, I did it when I didn't. Uh, So I don't know if people do it for entertainment purposes, weird entertainment purposes, or if they actually want to go to prison for whatever reason. I don't really know. Um, but yeah, that was super weird. Um, some other, a couple other things that were never fully completed was, or like figured out. So the store manager of the party shop next door to the yogurt shop, um, he was there while the crime happened, but he says, you know, he didn't hear anything. He didn't hear any gunshots. So people thought that that was really suspicious because he was right next door and Obviously, you would think there would be, like, screams, gunshots, a fire started, you know. You'd think there would be, like, lots of noises. <laughs> yeah, well, just because people hear things don't mean they do the right thing and call the cops anyway. That's true. That is very true. Yeah. Apple employees. Yeah. From the yeah. Lululemon story. Sorry. Clap, I back be more... to the, <laughs> clap back to the Lululemon story, for sure. I heard the whole thing and just like, oh, that's just drama. Let's just close up and go home. So wild to me. So wild. Oh, we have a security guard, but he was blaring music in his earbuds. He didn't hear anything. <laughs> he was busy having a good time. He was busy dancing. Oh, I'm like, oh my god! Like I can't with these people. For real. <gasps> um, another one. There was also the crawl space above the shops, and there was like a footprint that Reese Price had seen on the toilet. Uh, one day with the ceiling tile moved above that so that was another thing people were like oh someone must have been in the crawl space and they were like they used the toilet to prop themselves up to get up in there Um, that was never nothing ever came from that Um, but yeah there were so many theories and even a lot of people to this day still believe that Scott, Springsteen, Forrest, and Maurice are still the ones responsible. A lot of people still truly believe that they're the ones that did it. Um, but I, you know, nobody really knows for sure yet. Um, I just think that, I don't know, there's been so many cases we've done where It'll be years down the line that they solve it. So I really have hope that they're going to be able to figure this out and, like, bring justice for the families. I mean, I know it won't bring the girls back, but still, just to have some closure on the case. And if you know who the other two gentlemen are, please speak up. Please say something, because... Please. I would really, really, really like to have them questioned and their DNA tested, because if they are the ones that did it, I would really love for these guys to be exonerated once and for all, if they are truly innocent after all the crap they went through. Yeah, exactly. Or find some hard, concrete evidence that say they did it, and then take it back. Right. 100%. It's like, it's just been such a long time 
I can't imagine how frustrating it has to be for the families. And somebody knows, obviously, people at least, you know, there's like a small, tiny group of people out there who know exactly what happened. But yeah, if yeah. you, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, I was going to say, yeah, because like they said, whoever did it, they like disappeared from life for a while. You know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So crazy that they're just out there roaming around still. And he had a random $540. Yeah. Gosh, that that's just, it's just so sick. The whole, the entire story. Yeah. Um, if you have any information at all, even if you don't know for sure, but you think maybe you know something, you know, nothing's going to hurt. Um, but any information about these yogurt shop murders, you can call 512-472-TIPS. Um, and a lot of this info I got today, I got from cbsnews.com, Investigation Discovery, Sportskeeda, and Wiki. So thank you wiki, to wiki, them. Wiki, wiki, wiki. <laughs> wiki, wiki. <laughs> but yeah, just such an insane story. Like these unsolved ones really really get my brain going because i'm like oh it's they're just not like you know they're not like my gears it really grinds my gears (laughs) because they're not like wrapped up and with an ending you know it's just like it's still it's still going and who knows if it'll just never be solved i hope not but you never know Uh, i just i don't know it just sucks because it was what like 30 years ago and i feel like technology has come so far since then i just really wish they had a way that we could just catch all the bad people now you know i know hire someone who's sitting in an office and you just run dna all day long and just catch bad people cold cases i would do that job (laughs) let's make it definitely do that job and you think you know like you said today it's just come so far like there's got to be there's got to be a way. But I know money and resources makes it difficult also, but it's just like, it's just so crazy. It's been so long. Yeah. But on a non-true crime um, thought or entertainment, I watched two movies the last couple of days but they're not true crime so uh, sorry i have to even myself out a little bit you know gotta have some positivity up in there <laughs> so i watched the duff with may whitman because i love may whitman oh yeah was that your first time watching it yes what the hell it was so cute i can't believe you've never seen that before it's such I a good movie wanted to put the blanket over my head when she got caught with the mannequin I'm like, oh my god! Oh, I know. Just move. You're not recovering from that. What are tragic. you doing? Tragic, tragic. And she went to school the next day, like staying strong. I'm like, oh my gosh. I would have been like, mom, I'm transferring schools, <laughs> which it wouldn't even matter because it went all over the internet. <laughs> but it was a little predictable. I had a feeling she was going to fall in love. The neighbor was going to fall in love with her. Yeah. And which... I mean, oh, I thought you were saying she was going to fall in love with him. Which I mean, she did, but I was then I was yeah. gonna say, I mean, have you seen him? <laughs> Makes sense. <laughs> but um, super cute, and I love, like I said, I love everything Mae Whitman's, and she's just so good. She really is. And I watched um, the new one with Reese Witherspoon and Ashton Kutcher called Your Place or Mine. Oh, how was it? I haven't seen that yet. 
you know, I watched it because I love both those leading actors and it was cute, but it wasn't like, oh my God, I'm going to watch this all the time. Like it wasn't Sweet Home Alabama, like where you could put it in any time and fall in love with it, you know? Was it like a one and done um, kind of thing? Kind of, yeah. It's yeah. worth watching. Like if you're just bored and want something to watch, you know, it's cute. Like I said, they both look great. I love them. They have cute chemistry. Um, but it was, again, nothing that really like sucked you in. That was just like, you know, really engrossed in it. It was right. more just laying on the couch on a Saturday afternoon, filling some time, just being lazy, watching a cute movie by yourself. You know what I mean? Okay, I got you. So I'm gonna I'm gonna make time for it when I'm not like. When I'm just kind of like chilling and just looking for whatever to watch. When I'm not like trying to like look for something like super something that I could be super invested in. Like you, I need to I need to start you and I still have not started it. I know. I think I'm gonna start it tonight when I hang up with you. Except I did hear that this season is the worst one. People are saying this one's the worst season. Like as far as like them liking it. So I guess we'll just have to We'll have to both watch it and then kind of talk about it once we both finish it, which once I get started on it, whenever the hell that will be. <laughs> right. I finished Jenny and Georgia. Okay. See, I didn't even start that either. I am such a slacker. Oh, we got so much. And we got to get together because you have to come over on a Saturday and spend the day with me. We have to finish Flight Attendant. I know, dude. I'm going to need to like refresh what we even did start watching. We only got right. what? Didn't we only watch like two episodes? I think so. We still yeah. late. Yeah, we got to get into that. But um, thank you for listening. Thank you for sticking with us. Uh, let us know if you have any ideas or anything you want us to talk about. Um, I do have a couple that I'm going to go through that uh, a viewer sent me. So we're going to look into that and I'll let you know. So excited. Thanks, guys, for listening. And we will catch you next week. Thank you. I mean, that's not my line. You could say it. Go for it. It's your turn. I, I'm giving it to you. We got to go. Bye. Bye.